to me, okay, to me. Ultimately, martial art means honestly expressing yourself. Now, it is very difficult to do. I mean, it is, it is easy for me to put on a show and be cocky yeah. and be flooded with a cocky feeling and then yeah. feel like pretty cool and all that. Or I can make all kinds of phony things, you see what I mean? Blinded by it. Or I can show you some really fancy movement. But to express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly, you know, that, my friend, is very hard to do and you have to train you have to keep your reflexes so that when you want it it's there the expression of the human body I mean the f everything I mean you know not just the hand and when you're talking about combat well I mean if, if, it, if it is a sport now now you're talking about something else you have regulations yeah. you have rules but when you're talking about fighting as it is oh, rules. with no rules no fighting. well then baby you better train every part of your body I'm not surprised, mother... I'm not impressed by your performance. What's up? Where you at, George? I like Big Dumb McCartney pulling me about folks. That's how I like to roll. You feel me? Nobody gonna take this bed. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm proud for fighting you. For you. Don't bring the dog out of me. I'm the man of the hour, Joe. Too sweet to be sour. What you see is what you get, and what you don't is better yet. I fight for the fans. I wanted to keep fighting as long as it took, and I wanted to win this title. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. I did it. I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Running water never grows stale, so you gotta just keep on flowing. Aloha, Penn Nation. As you can hear, good old Jay Kinch sounds absolutely terrible. So, while I'm no longer sick, I seem to be losing my voice. Going to try to keep this to a minimum. Spare you guys having to hear this raspy nonsense. But you are now tuned in to BJPenn.com radio. We have a really special show lined up for you guys tonight. I hope all of you enjoy it. BJPenn.com radio, the fighter's voice. We are live. The fighter's voice. I have no voice. We are live each and every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And we continue to bring you guys the best possible show each and every week. We are the fighter's voice. And as I tell you guys each and every week, what we're all about here is giving these athletes a platform to speak their minds and their hearts without any bias. We're also the voice of you guys, the fans. And we greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate all the continued support by Nation. Tonight's lineup is a special one. We have three awesome guests, all relevant to the times, and one of them is, is a pretty big deal. They're all pretty big deal. But in particular, our final guest for the evening, uh, very, very, very excited about. But before we jump into that stuff, your home for MMA news is BJPenn.com. 
Make sure you guys bookmark us, bjpen.com forward slash MMA news for all the latest and greatest in the sport you love of mixed martial arts, whether it be the hot topics, the breaking news, the viral videos, and tons of exclusive content. Everything that you crave all in one place. We've been dropping technique videos every week. A lot of them having to do with the Gracie family. Uh, some really cool jujitsu technique videos. So make sure you guys keep uh, keep an eye out for those. Some of the best athletes in the business in combat sports today, bringing you guys technique instructional videos on BJPen.com. We're the largest independently owned and operated MMA news site out there today. And all of you guys make that possible. So greatly, greatly appreciated. I know you're probably tuning in and saying, my God, this kid sounds like death. I don't feel like death. I just have no voice. So the guest list for tonight. First up, a guy I've had the opportunity to work with many, many times over the years. An awesome guy who has just hung up his gloves and decided to walk away from the sport. And his farewell performance was as good as it can get. The undisputed king of the slam, the hurricane himself, Gerald Harris. He'll be our first guest this evening in just a few moments. We'll be uh, recapping that farewell performance at XFN 22. Um, While he has finished four opponents now by slam, this one did not result in a knockout. Instead, he gruesomely, gruesomely broke his opponent's arm. And uh, we're going to catch up with him on all that, see what life is going to be like for him going forward. I'm sure any of you guys that follow him on social media know that Gerald is a gym owner, a teacher, and he's also a stand-up median. So a lot of avenues for him to pursue moving on from mixed martial arts, but we're all going to miss him. Great guy, put on some great performances. And as I've said here before, it truly is a shame that he never made his way back into the UFC. For whatever reason, that may be with the company. Truly, truly a shame. So lots to discuss with him. Really good conversation. He'll be kicking things off tonight. Gerald Harris. By the way, guys, just so you know, I tried to deal with this. I drank some honey tea. I did everything I could. Um, I interviewed Chael yesterday. Didn't sound nearly as bad as this. And then I woke up this morning. I sound absolutely terrible. So nonetheless, sorry, guys, have to hear it. Our second guest of this evening, good friend of the show, one of our most repeated guests on BJPen.com radio. I put in the description, he's an entertaining man on a mission for gold in the UFC's welterweight division, Colby Chaos Covington. We're only a few days removed from UFC Sao Paulo this weekend. He'll be taking on Damian Maya in what has to be, without a doubt, the biggest fight of his career, biggest opportunity for Colby in the UFC so far. And he's been able to promote his way into this position. Never wastes any time on the microphone. Always brings the heat in an interview. And this one is no different. 
we're going to uh, preview the fight with Damian a little bit, talk about some of the pro wrestling work he's been doing, and of course, he's going to spit some flames at the entire welterweight division, in particular, the champ, Tyron Woodley. Great conversation with him. I know you guys will enjoy it. Now, those first two conversations, I do sound like shit. So my sincerest apologies. However, they are some pretty good interviews. You guys you guys know Gerald and Kobe. And uh, as always, they deliver on yet another great interview. Last, however, far from least, I'll just read you exactly what I wrote in the description here. The always imitated but never replicated American gangster from Westland, Oregon, Chael P. Sonnen. He'll be closing out tonight's show. It's a really awesome conversation. You guys are not going to want to miss it. We talk about the future of Submission Underground. He breaks some news on one of the headlining or likely the feature bout on the next Submission Underground event. A couple of big boys, to say the least. We talk about Submission Underground, what's next for him in the Bellator cage, potential opponents, when he'd like to come back. And of course, we pick his brain on all of MMA's hottest topics right now. Honestly, Chael very generously gave us his time yesterday. Uh, I got to speak with him for about 40 minutes. And uh, it's one of my favorite interviews that I've done uh, in my career of podcasting. And I got to give a big shout out to our man, Chris Taylor, for setting up that interview. Um, can't thank you enough, Chris. Greatly, greatly appreciated. And also a big shout out to uh, my buddy, Wayne Henrique, for giving me a little bit of a hand with this thing um, in the audio department. So there you have it. I sound like crap. going to spare you guys the news. Like I said, Gerald and Kobe recorded with me today, so I don't sound so hot. <laughs> but luckily, the conversation with Chael, uh, I did not sound nearly as bad as this. Regardless, awesome conversations for you guys on the show this week. But since I'm not getting into the news, for all the breaking news from this week, you guys know where to go. BJPen.com forward slash MMA news. Make sure you bookmark us, stay up to date, follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Google+. Everything you crave from the sport you love, all under one roof, bjpen.com. We have got you covered, guys. So on that note, let's kick off tonight's show with the king of the slam himself, Gerald Harris. Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show the undisputed king of the slam, an all-around awesome guy, and one hell of an athlete, the Hurricane himself, Gerald Harris. What's going on, Gerald? You down in uh, Hurricane Training Center right now? No, I'm actually, man, I'm, you know, I've got seven kids, so I'm doing a tour of picking kids up from school, and I'm uh, waiting on my son to come out of wrestling practice, so. Uh, yeah, I'm in and out of the gym all day, running classes, training fighters. Man, it's a nonstop thing. So 
I'm retired from mixed martial arts, but I'm not done with mixed martial arts. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had no doubt. I know with the gym, uh, that's something you're very invested in. But let's wait. Let's waste no time. We'll jump right into it. You slammed your way into the spotlight yet again. Tell us about that big finish. Man, you know what? A lot of people they watch the video, and you can't judge a book by its cover. And it looked like I was celebrating the injury, and I was overreacting, but. Man, everything that happened before that, this guy cursed me out at weigh-ins. He was three pounds overweight. He tried to fight me at weigh-ins. And then before the fight, he was yelling at me. And then in the fight, he was yelling at me. And right before I slammed him, literally, the round before that, he's giving me the suck it sign. He's like, F you. You ain't no slam king. You can't even slam me, bitch. <laughs> and then a minute later, that same hand he flipped me off with was crooked as hell and behind his head. So it was just so much karma in that moment, you know, and I don't have anything against the dude. He's a fighter, and everybody, you know, do, does what works best for them. But he just disrespected me a little bit too much. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. You know, the broken arm was gruesome. Video immediately went viral. But he really did taunt you and say you're not the slam king. And then that led to you breaking his arm off of a slam. Yeah, that man, you know, and I thought I just knocked the wind out of him. I didn't know, man. Anybody that's fought, when you knock somebody out or you finish somebody, the last thing you're thinking about is how they're doing. I mean, seriously. Right. My whole goal in there, you just kick me in the face and need me in the stomach, and I'm not worried about you. And then once that adrenaline goes down, then you're like, okay, what happened? And then I looked on the screen, I was like, oh, this dude's arm. Like, I didn't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I checked on him, and he was cool. You know, he, he apologized, and I said, don't apologize. But when the fight's over, it's over, man. You know, yeah. I was happy that it worked out in my favor. For sure, for sure. I see the video did end up on World Star like you had hoped. Pretty cool stuff, man. Yeah, I got a lot of things I wish for. I, I've been pestering for interviews. You know, I want to really enjoy this moment. I think a lot of things that don't happen in the UFC get overlooked, you know. So it's fun to actually get the same attention I got when I was on the main, you know, on on the main show. So, it, I mean, I had a great reaction. I've had like seven to eight interviews. You know, the World Star was icing on the cake. You know, you guys are, are big to me. I love you all. Um, so, for you to call me and, and give me time, it means a lot to me. So, and, and with BJ Penn, period, a lot of people don't know that the fight that I got cut for was the fight before he knocked out Matt Hughes. A lot of people don't know that. You know, I actually witnessed that. It was pretty cool. I fist bumped him before he went in. Um, even though I got my ass whooped, but it was a pretty cool moment, the fist bump. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I've always had a ton of respect for you. I've always been a, a big supporter of you as an athlete and even outside of the cage as well. So always an honor and pleasure to speak with you as well. And all love, you know, it's all reciprocal at the end of the day, man. So, But at this point, there really can't be any denying that you truly are the king of the slam and that you will always be remembered for this. Will you agree with that? Yeah, well, I have four slam finishes, which no one has. Um, but the, I'll say I'm the king of slam, which was actually the title given to me by Rampage Jackson himself. But the best slam ever was definitely Rampage Jackson versus Ricardo Ron. <laughs> True. Everybody knows that. And and, and I like um, Kevin Roundham's slam on Fedor, but he didn't finish him with it. So it yeah. was a moment. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I remember last time we spoke, it was right after uh, Rampage had given you props and, and said, you know, he relinquished that title as King of the Slam. So cool stuff to see that. 
Have you gotten a lot of the same response from athletes after this performance as well? Yeah, if I would have slammed him on his head and he was sleeping, it would be different. But everybody's just like, oh, my God, his arm. Like, <laughs> The first video is cool. The second one in slow motion is bad. I mean, his arm folds like a lawn chair. Like, it's crazy, man. And I, I don't I don't want anybody to get injured. You know, I pray for me and my opponent to not be injured. People getting hurt, that's part of the game. I don't want to see nobody break nothing. I mean, look at look at Anderson Silva's leg. You know what I'm saying? Nobody wants that in a fight. So, yeah. it's unfortunate what happened to him. But I'm telling you, if there was a short movie on that fight, that, that was the perfect storybook ending as far as shutting somebody the hell up. Yeah, karma, you're absolutely correct. I mean, I know I know the initial reaction was celebration, but I saw you were a class act after that. Um, you know, what did you say to him after you approached him, you know, following the celebration? I said, man, it's all love. It's business, not personal. He's like, I love you, man. I was like, I was like, get, get well. You know what I mean? So I, it's not, when it's over, it's over. I don't be spitting on people and, you know, when I once my adrenaline pump is down, because I dreamed about that moment the whole camp, you know, getting knocked out, knocking him out, finishing him, you know, knees, punches, kicks, and then it finally happens, and it's the best feeling in the world. It's like this is why I explained to a guy that plays football. I said it's like catching a hail mary pass or or shooting a half court shot to win the game. It's that feeling. You just can't you can't put that in a bottle and sell it, man. No, not at all. Not at all. So I guess let's let's look forward now, or well, rather than that, it really doesn't get much better than that for a farewell performance, right? Yes, I'm moving on to comedy. My wife and I run the gym. I don't want to take no more punches, no more kicks. I can't. It's not really even an age thing. I'm just tired. I've been an athlete since I was eight years old. I've been cutting weight since I was ten. I'm tired. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> I love being on stage. My true passion is I got an hour special coming up, and I look, I so look for. I can't wait to get on stage. Like an hour to me feels like ten minutes. I just cannot, and that's the feeling I used to have when I was fighting. I couldn't wait to fight, but I don't feel like that anymore. You know, I like getting paid. I like winning. You know, but it's a lot that goes into it. And when I stopped loving mixed martial arts as a competitor, I knew it was time to stop. Yeah, you know, the the stand up comedy I know is something that you're very passionate about. I wanted to touch on that in a few minutes here, but um, I've got to say, man, it truly is a shame that you never got back into the UFC. Is that sort of going to be a void for you, you know, looking back on your legacy now? No, man, it's a funny story. I saw The Rock on Twitter, and he said that when he was young, he, he was in Canada, he got cut from the Canadian Football League, and he killed his teams going to the NFL, and he was depressed, he was homeless, he was broke. And next thing you know, he was fighting in the in the WWE. So, so I really and that's crazy that I learned that lesson after being on this earth for thirty seven years. That sometimes the best things are what doesn't happen to you. So maybe getting back in the UFC was the best thing that never happened to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'll never take it as I got cut. It sucked. I'll never get back in. I mean. The same day I signed the contract to be on the Ultimate Fighter 25, three days before the show aired, I mean, recorded, I tore my Achilles tendon the same damn day. So, I mean, getting back in the UFC is definitely the best thing that never happened to me. Uh, I'm satisfied with my career. I'm 25-5. and five. I have plenty of finishes. I have some pretty quality wins, um, some decent losses. 
I have no regrets, man. Uh, and everything led me to the woman I'm with now. My wife is amazing. Uh, you know, we have a beautiful daughter together. I'm just happy, man. I'm really happy. I don't have to fight anymore. Um, I have the ability to teach high school, run this gym, and do comedy shows. I'm I'm happy, man. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, aside from, you know, it, it sounds to me like when you're looking back on your career, you will be 100% satisfied at this point. I am. I am. I mean, I don't like the way I was cut. But, I mean, to me, I, I felt as if I was treated like property instead of a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the thing I disagree with. I don't think you should ever do anybody like that because regardless of what goes on, I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't fail a drug test. I didn't miss weigh-in. I didn't miss an interview. I didn't dis- I didn't do anything to deserve to get fired. I had a bad day at work. It sucked. And I shouldn't have been released. I, I will never in my life agree with it. But it doesn't matter. It happened. And, and it, if, it, if that's what got me to where I am today, then, hey, I thank them because, it, it, you know, it, 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 something good came out of it. But I, I would never, ever agree with it. I mean, I just think it's wrong. I've seen people go 0-5 right. with five decision losses. I've seen people get knocked out three times in a row. I, I mean, so there's no – to me, there's no – if it was written on paper, if you do this, you get cut, then I would agree. But it wasn't. It, it was. It wasn't. Yeah, I mean, and you were exciting. You had finishes. I mean, I was looking at you as, uh, you know, the the next number one contender. I mean, the up and coming. All knockouts, man. Yeah. Every win was by knockout. Oh, and that guy was thirty three and three with thirty one finishes and no video to scout. So I mean, how? What do you expect? I couldn't go out there guns blazing. I I had no. The first time I saw Falco was at win. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it was like. This, and at that level, you need video to scout. You guys know that better than anybody. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, Especially it, a guy with 30-something knockouts. Absolutely. <laughs> now, if the opportunity ever presented itself to get a shot in the big show, would you come out of retirement, or is the door completely closed? Yeah, there's no point. I mean, for what? I mean, a little bit of money, but, yeah, I, there's no point. I mean, I'm not saying I'll I, – I'm in a position to turn them down. I have no, I have zero interest in ever fighting again for anybody. I've done what I came to do. I, when I was, I don't like to do stuff later. Man. That's like asking a girl to the prom and the prom's over. And she goes, oh, I should have took you. You know, it's like, <laughs> bitch, you know what I'm saying? So, no, I'm done. It, I've done everything I could. Even if I go back, I mean, what am I going to do? Get three more knockouts in a row, title shot? I don't. It takes so much to go back to the UFC, so much time and energy and work. I'm going to put that into my comedy. And you're going to see, man, this, I'm telling you right now, this stand-up special I'm about to do is about to shock people, dude. I believe it, and I'm certainly looking forward to it. But but to stick with the MMA career here for just another moment, um, if you could have competed against any athlete in the game, who would you have picked and why? Oh, man, you know what? I always wanted to fight Damian Mike. I always wanted to fight him. I just, I wanted to fight a top contender, and he was the one that I knew matchup-wise was great. Um, I knew my takedown defense was great, my hands were heavy. And the crazy thing is I met him, and he said, I've been watching you, because that's when I was 3-0 and with three knockouts. And he was watching me, because he fought one of the guys I knocked out, which was Mario Miranda, and Mario gave a hard time. He beat Mario by decision. It was boring. And he said he was watching me, and he started working on his wrestling. You know, because I was, I was, you know, slamming people and knocking people out. Wow. So, That's quite the compliment from a guy like that. 
Yeah, he told me, he said, I've been wrestling at Rutgers University. I've been working on my wrestling. He said, I've been watching you. And I was like, wow, thanks. But I'm going to knock your ass out if we have a fight. That's what I was thinking. But, but in an honorable way, I really, I really like Damian Maia. He's a super cool guy. I just knew that he was a top contender. Yeah, he was always on my list. And not in a bad way. Just just to prove to people that I was a top contender. Now, you know, I, I kind of believe that, that you're still – Maybe not in your prime, but you're you're still at that level uh, to be able to compete with some of the best in the world. I'm wondering, do you still feel that way? And if so, does that make the decision to retire any more difficult for you? No, it doesn't because it's not like I'm quitting or retiring and I don't have anything else to do. You know, you don't want to retire as a fighter and you're still in the gym hanging out with everybody, sparring and working out, and you can still fight. I can still fight. I just don't want to. You know, I can do other things. I have other things where my heart is at. So, no, because when does it end? Think about it. When does it end? When I get my ass whooped and they say, man, you need to quit. That's the worst time to quit when you get your ass kicked. Absolutely. You know, you don't want to get beat into retirement. So I'm I'm choosing to walk away from the sport. And I'm, I'm mentally at my, like you said, I'm at my prime mentally. Not physically because I'm not 26 anymore and flying all over the cage. I'm a lot smarter. You know, uh, you know, I, I, like that last fight I had, I didn't care. I, I knew I lost the first few rounds because I was just making them tired. I was literally letting them hit me sometimes. And I was, I was just knocking them down. And I knew he was going to wear down. I'm just so much smarter now. But like I said, everything I put in MMA, everything I learned from the wins, the losses, the managers, I'm taking that into comedy. And, it, and it's going to show. For sure, for sure. So when you look back on everything, what do you want your legacy to say when fans and expiring athletes look back on your fight career? Man, you know what? I know I wasn't the most exciting fighter, you know, uh, but I was an exciting finisher. But I just want, I think the first thing people are going to say is, that's that dude that used to slam people. <laughs> I want to be known for my slams. I want people mimicking my slams. I want people, you know, watching my videos and, and, and copying what I do. That's what I want to see. I want to see some get 10 years from now, you know, David Brent somebody, Aaron Cobb somebody. You know what I mean? I don't see him breaking arms. But, <laughs> but I, I, and that's what I did. When I first started fighting, I never sparred. I didn't spar for a whole year my first year of fighting. I never sparred one time my entire first year of fighting. Um, and then I watched Tito Ortiz videos on YouTube, and I wrestled in my high school. That's how I trained for mixed martial arts. I never threw a punch, ever, you know, and I – I watched TRT's instructional videos on how to throw elbows and, and fight on the cage, and that's how I kick people's asses, you know, along with being a lifetime wrestler. But my that was my only MMA training was TRT's videos. Wow. Wow. And, I mean, I, I've i always said that uh, just as a pure athlete, you were one of the really gifted ones to step into MMA. So that only lends itself to, to that uh, feeling as well. But you talk about it, the comedy career, uh, the teaching gig, you know, having the gym. So are these all three things that you're going to be juggling uh, going forward now, or are you going to focus primarily on the comedy? Man, I was juggling. I was fighting. I was teaching. I was running the gym, and I was doing comedy shows. I was stretched too thin. So imagine this. Imagine if you had a job. You were the manager. You were the cook. You worked the drive through and you were the custodian. Those four things are going to wear you out. If you eliminate two of those and I said, hey, all I need you to do is manage and cook fries, you're going to be twice as good. You know yeah. what I mean? So 
I took that mentality. I X'd out teaching. I X'd out fighting, which take a lot of my time. And I'm gonna, like I told, I put that time into those other two things. So it's definitely gonna, it's definitely gonna um, make things better. Very good, very good. And I'm certainly looking forward to all the future has in store for you. Uh, but when it comes to the gym, do you have any up and comers under your guidance that we should keep our eyes on? Man, I tell you, I got a couple. I got two I want to talk about. Got a guy named Kenny Spotwood, former uh, college football player, former NFL player. Um, he's a badass dude, man. 205 heavyweight, explosive as hell. And I mean that in the sense, I don't even like using that word, but he is. He's a football player, so he'll literally probably take you through the cage. <laughs> like, right. um, then I got a little new guy named Tevin Lasky. He's a little badass, man. Uh, kind of reminds me of Kevin Lee. He's real tough. He's real confident. You know, he has all the tools. He's a former wrestler, good striking, loves the fight. So those two guys right there are definitely going to be on the radar. Um, um, Lasky just had his pro debut. Unfortunately, his opponent wouldn't fight him. And then uh, Kenny Spotwood's a Bellator veteran. Doesn't have the greatest record, but his only two losses are from last second fights. But, man, I got a, I got a good little squad under me. Um, got a, oh, my, one of my big homies named Codell Ford. He's a badass kickboxing champion and mixed martial artist. So, yeah, we got some tough dudes, man. And then I got about 15 just brand new out the gate, you know, straight out of high school, college type kids that's ready to get out there and get better. Well, it sounds like you got a pretty solid team going there. Yeah, man, it's kind of funny. We don't call it a team because it's a bunch of people from different gyms. We literally just train together, you know. We, that's why I call it a training center. Uh, we don't have a team name. We just we just work, man. So I'll be managing these guys. I'll be helping out, and you know you'll 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 hear big things about them. Very good, very good. Well, I have no doubt, man. You'll excel in all the future projects and career paths. Uh, I gotta say, Gerald, it's been an absolute honor to have been able to work with you over the years, and even more so, of a pleasure to watch you compete. I know I speak for all the MMA fans out there uh, when I say that you will be dearly missed, my man. I guess in conclusion, man, I appreciate you. Yeah. I, I like I like going out on my own terms. I hope everybody understands. I'm not walking away from the sport in a bad way. I, I, I you know, I accomplished my goals. I'm happy, and I'm to hey. Don't forget Sunday, December third is going down. I'm doing my stand up comedy special, and I, I'm going to give you the same energy and effort I gave in MMA. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess before we wrap things up, man, tell us a little bit about this special and. Uh, you know, do you have any uh, deals going on potentially where, you know, this will be uh, distributed uh, in a video form? Yeah, um, I've been doing comedy for 15 years. I took a break when I got in the UFC. I took a break for about a year or two. Got back on the scene and just got better and better and better. I've been headlining all across the country. I've been opening up to people. Um, you know, comedy is shocking to people when they see me on stage. They go, oh, my God, he's a fighter and he's funny. So... I love surprising people with my, my ability to make people laugh. Um, so we're right now we're just, we're, we're pitching the, uh, you know, pitching the deal to people, see who bites. You can see it on Netflix, uh, Hulu, uh, Amazon prime, a lot of different places. We're just going to take what's best for me and what's best for my career. But I promise I'll be in touch. I'll keep you updated. I'll definitely send you a copy and you got to watch it. Just don't watch it at church. Cause it's not going to be fun. <laughs> So what can everybody do to go out there and support you in this uh, comedy endeavor? Just stay tuned, man. G Hurricane on Twitter. That's the letter G and the word Hurricane. 
and I pretty much go through there. I got two websites most people won't remember, but it's htc918.com, like Hurricane Training Center. Yep. And SNL918, which is like Sunday Night Live. So it's htc918.com. That's my gym website. And on the other half, I have SNL918, which is Sunday Night Live. I do my shows on Sundays, and that's okay. my comedy thing. All right, well, listen, Gerald, in conclusion, the floor is your man, yours, man. Any message you have for everybody that supported you over the years and all the Hurricane fans out there? Yeah, man, really. You know, I, I'm really surprised at the fan base that I have. I'm, I mean, I had a guy in the parking lot jump out of his car and was like, oh, my God, it's Joe Harris. And I'm just like, I'm looking around for Joe Harris. You know, I, <laughs> I'm super humble. Um, so, you guys, I appreciate the good and the bad. I mean, I heard people say all kinds of things about me, and it doesn't bother me. I mean, I, I even had somebody talk about my dead brother, and I was like, you know what? If I don't know you, you cannot affect me in a negative way. Now, that doesn't work in a positive way because I do appreciate my fans and my support. But um, for anybody listening out there, don't let anybody make you think less of yourself because there's going to be people that try to bring you down. That they're going to tell you you're not good enough, you know, and it's, it's doable. I tore my Achilles tendon in January, and I fought in August. That's not even legal. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> and it's because I believed it and the support I had. I mean, the support was crazy. Get well, Hurricane. Can't wait to see you fight again. I'm getting messages from just total strangers. Yo, keep your head up. My heart is broke for you. And I'm like, you know what? That's what got my ass off the couch and got me in physical therapy when I didn't feel like going. That's the mornings I wanted to sleep in. Instead of running three or five miles, I got my ass up for my fans. You know? You know, I got to feed my kids, but those people are the ones that motivate me. And the haters. When people say, oh, you're going to get knocked out in that fight, that shit woke me up too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I appreciate everybody, but I appreciate I appreciate the love more than anything. Well, it, you're an easy guy to give it to, my man. And as I said, it has been an honor to work with you. And, uh, you know, when it's all said and done, you've had a hell of a career, some really awesome finishes, and I know everybody in the MMA community will remember you uh, forever for that. And hopefully you'll be a big name in comedy soon. So thanks as always, Gerald. Keep in touch, my man. And uh, on behalf of everybody at BJPenn.com, we wish you all the best. All right, thanks. And get well soon over there, man. You sound <laughs> like you got gravel on your throat. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> thanks a lot, <laughs> There you have it, Penn Nation. It sounds like I have gravel in my throat. Gerald Harris, great guy, great competitor. Can't say enough about him. <clears throat> and uh, I do truly wish him all the best going forward as a comedian. Um, I've listened to some of his stuff before. Pretty funny. I encourage all of you guys to go check it out. So only only one more interview, guys, where I sound like absolute dog crap. Coming up next... The man taking on Damian Maia this Saturday in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, as a matter of fact, we have this conversation with him today earlier uh, after the open workouts in Sao Paulo. So the connection was a little fuzzy. However, uh, I'm pretty sure you guys will be able to to uh, to hear everything he had to say. Always bringing the fire, always dropping heat on the entire welterweight division. Coming up next, Colby Chaos Covington. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice.
calling us from Brazil, just days away from the biggest fight of his career. Please welcome back to the show, surging contender, Colby Chaos Covington. Thanks as always for the time, Triple C. How are the open workouts, man? Oh, thanks for having me on BJ Penn Radio. Uh, the open workouts were amazing, man. I, I got a great team behind me, Mike Brown, Paulino Hernandez, American top team, so... They were real good. I'm well prepared for battle this Saturday. Uh, were the Brazilian fans uh, hostile, or have they warmed up to you at all in the past few days? You know, I'd imagine with the Twitter post calling Sao Paulo a dump, probably not. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying facts, though. I mean, I don't, I don't know how they could get mad at me. This place is a complete shithole that Damian Maia calls home, and I'm just glad he signed the dotted line. I'm going to finish Dad bought Damian Maia on Saturday. But as far as the fans... You know, they they haven't warmed up to me. They're still screaming their crazy, you will die chance, you provide more. So it is what it is. They will be silenced on Saturday. So all the hard work is done. Fight is pretty much here. How are you feeling, man? Ready to go out there and prove why you're the next number one contender? I feel great, man. I, I do feel like I'm the best welterweight on the planet right now. I'm the new dawn of, of the welterweight. And I'm going to take the game over this Saturday. People are going to find out that I'm on a completely different level than them, and I hope Tyron Woodley's enjoying his time off for his hurt vagina, because when he gets back, his time is up. Now, you've said repeatedly that um, on this show as well, and on Twitter this week, that American wrestling is the best base for MMA, and you'll have no problems defeating Damian Maya. What has everybody been overlooking about Maya that makes you so confident that you'll be the better grappler on Saturday? I could beat mine in anything we decided to do in the world. If we want to put on the gi, I'll put on the gi and choke Damian Maya out in the gi. American wrestling base gives you the hips and the knowledge and the ability to beat anybody anywhere in the MMA game. So having a, the base that I have and being the highest level that you can be, that's going to well suit me on Saturday. And Damian's going to find out that he signed the dotted line with the wrong guy. Controlling the uh, clinch positions here will likely be the most important aspect of this fight for you. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely, you know. just But, you know, to get in the clinch, clinch he's going to have to, you know, close the distance, and that's not going to be easy. There will be a lot of punches and punches in his face. I will have high volume, and I don't get tired. I'm a young, hungry lion. He's an old, aging dog. So, you know, I'm going to take him out in the first or second round. Now, I think I asked you this before, but um, is it part of the plan for you to force the stand-up fight in this one and, and showcase that ever-developing striking game? Uh, you know, every fight I'm always bringing some new wrinkles to my game. So, you know, Saturday night, you know, I'm definitely going to bring a new fight. And I'm going to put Damian Mine in the most exciting fight he's ever been in his career. So, you know, I plan on being spectacular and putting on a, a bigger statement than Tyrone Woodley put on him. Now, um, you said that the beating you'll put on him, you're going to force him into retirement. Do you expect him to really have that retirement speech ready for Saturday night? Yes, I do truly believe that after I'm done with him, he will have nothing more left to prove or have any fight left in him. I will completely take the fight out of him, and he will retire in his hometown of Sao Paulo. Now, if all goes to plan, man, uh, you'll be in the mix for the title, and it's no secret that you've got Woodley in your crosshairs next. Uh, you said uh, this week that you plan on bitch-slapping him with the interim belt. Do you really think he's going to be out that long? Um, You know, 
I think once after I beat Damian Maya, he's going to make up a bunch of excuses. He's going to start acting like he has these preemptive surgeries, and he's going to start making up excuses why he can't fight me. So I do believe he will be out a little while. So if he's out, that's okay. I'll, I'll move forward. I'll take the interim belt, and then when he gets back, I'll slap him with the interim belt. So, you know, whenever he wants to come back, you know, his time's up. I will finish his career. How do you visualize a title picture playing out? You know, uh, you dominate Maya. Would we stay sidelined? Who would the interim title fight be against? Uh, Dos Anjos, Lawler? How do you see that all playing out? Um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But after this Saturday, I will be the new face of the welterweight, and they will know I'm the new king of the division. All Tyrone Woodley is is a paper champion. Have you uh, already planned out the post-fight promo? Safe to assume you'll be dropping some fire on the microphone. Absolutely. You do not want to miss Saturday on Fox Sports 1, only going down in Sao Paulo, Brazil. After I beat Damian Maia, I will have the greatest post-fight promo. <laughs> have no doubt. I'm looking forward to it, man. Uh, you were bumped up uh, in the in the rankings this week after Darren Till was promoted to your former ranking of 8. However, you weren't very impressed by Darren's fight. I believe you said something about him. Uh, uh, he, he was fighting a has-been, something to that effect. Why don't you like this guy either? Um, It's not that I don't like the guy. It's nothing against him. I just, you know, I stated what is a true fact. Is that the same Donald Cerrone that we've seen in his whole career? No, that's an aged dog who has no fight left in him. He, he looked like he didn't even want to be there anymore. I mean, he got put to the jab, and he was already putting his hands up, covering up, looking for a way out. Some guys need to know when to hang it up and retire early. And, you know, the same case goes for Damian Maia. I'm going to show him that, you know, you should have just taken the easy way out. Now I'm going to have to give you the hard way out, just like that Donald got against Darren. Now you also said some really funny stuff about Straight Blast Jim in Ireland. What made you take aim at those guys? Oh, uh, you know, I'm stating facts. You know, they're they're saying they're claiming to be this great gym, the best gym in the world. Come on, let's be honest. Everybody knows American Top Team is the best in the world, but SVG, come on, when's the last time they've won a relevant fight? You know, it's been a while. Yeah, they got Conor McGregor. You know, he hasn't he hasn't won a fight in a little bit. You know, he just lost to Mayweather. But besides him, you know, everybody's riding his coattails. So I'm just I'm sick of that hype gym acting like they're bigger than they are. Make no mistakes about it. American Top Team is the greatest. Yeah, there was some stuff about ATT I wanted to talk about here in a minute, but even funnier than all the stuff you said about Darren, Street Blast Jim, that treasure map of Johnny Hendricks, man, that made me laugh my ass off. Uh, how'd you come up with that? And uh, again, just another guy in the crosshairs for you or what? Uh, you know, he needs to be careful where he puts his his evidence and, and you know, you know, I got some spies at Jackson Wink that were able to find a map to get to, to Jackson Wink. And it just so happened that, you know, he had Burger King, McDonald's, and a couple of fast food chains along the way that he had to hit on the way to Jackson Wink. So, you know, he <laughs> needs to be more private about his information. <laughs> amazing, amazing. As I've said all along, man, you know, you're very funny, very marketable, and you know how to cut a promo. All incredibly important qualities for a fighter these days. And interestingly enough, You've been getting into wrestling business as well. You appeared on Impact Wrestling <clears throat> multiple times, most recently with Dan Lambert and a bunch of the guys from ATT. Tell us about that experience. Yeah, you know, I had to expand my brand of violence out to pro wrestling. You know, I had to go pick fights in the pro wrestling world because 
you know, uh, a lot of times guys don't want to fight me in the UFC. I'm the most duck fighter, so I had to go expand my brand of violence in pro wrestling. And it's been great. I've had a great time. It's been so fun. You know, Dan Lambert, my manager, owner of American Top Team, we're shooting a great angle in Impact Wrestling. You know, Bobby Lashley, uh, King Mo Luol is going to go up against uh, Moose and Stefan Bonner. Don't, make sure you catch that on the pay-per-view November 5th, only from Ottawa, Canada. And, yeah, I, I'm enjoying, uh, you know, the fruits of the labor. Now, is this something that you're considering as uh, another source of revenue for you, or is this just a way for you to really hone those promotional skills? Um, you know, this this is definitely another source of revenue. This is something that, you know, you only get money when you fight in this business. So, you know, if I'm on the down off season, you know, I'm definitely going to look to dabble in pro wrestling and make some money so I can put food on my table, you know. I got a lot of college debt to pay off, so, you know, things, it's not cheap living in South Florida. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I'm interested to know, you know, how much of this pro wrestling thing, has that been uh, about Bobby Lashley or your work with Stevie Richards? Um, it's been a combination of both, you know, uh, my work with Stevie Richards, my strength and conditioning coach, you know, I have a lot of respect and, and he's given me a lot of help and got me my foot in the door of the pro wrestling world. But also, you know, Bobby Lashley and Dan Lambert, you know, kind of pushed the door open and they, and they presented me to impact wrestling. And, and, you know, we're also looking at getting into the WWE. So, you know, uh, I can't thank those guys enough for what they've done for me. Interestingly enough, man, you know, you see it time and time again. Anybody that really knows the world of pro wrestling that fights in MMA, they're able to take those that knowledge and use that skill uh, involved in promotion uh, for yourself as a fighter. I'm wondering, were you a fan of pro wrestling growing up your whole life, or is this just something you've got into uh, since becoming a fighter? No, I've been a pro wrestling fan since the day I was born, man. I, I grew up watching The Rock, Hulk Hogan, all these superstars, you know. The generation of when I grew up, I mean, it was so much more uh, enthusiastic and a lot more emotion, and, and I just, I love that generation. So I feel like pro wrestling's been kind of dead lately, and, and they need someone to resurrect it, and that's, that's what I'm here for. That's what Dan Lambert, uh, King Mo are here for, American Top Team's for, you know. The angle we got going with the pro wrestling, MMA versus pro wrestling, you know, we're here to revive pro wrestling, and just like I'm here to revive the UFC welterweight division. So how is this going to work uh, in regards to, you know, maintaining both of these professions? Is this something you think you'll be able to do simultaneously or you have to take a break from one to uh, stay relevant in the other? Um, You know, I, I think I can do that simultaneously, you know. I think I'll be the – I'll go down as the, the greatest two-sport athlete of all time, and, and that's what I plan to do. You know, I plan to take over the UFC, and I plan to take over pro wrestling. Okay. So, listen, getting back to the fight this Saturday in Sao Paulo, um, you're going to go through, dominate Damian Maya, call out Tyron Woodley. I know the future is bright for you, my friend, but how quickly would you like to turn around and get back in there, maybe early 2018? If Tyron Woodley's vagina is healed up, I'll be ready to go in New York the following weekend. Damian Maya's not going to touch me this Saturday, so I'll be I'll be completely ready to go. I'm an active fighter. I love to fight, so whenever Tyrone Woodley's ready to go, I'll be ready to go. If he wants he wants to do me dirty and say, oh, he gets a short training camp like he did with Damian Maya, 
that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'm not worried. I train year-round, so I'll, I'm ready to get back in there right away. Now, do you, I'd imagine you think that uh, with a big win on Saturday, dominant performance, it's kind of undeniable to consider you the number one contender, right? Yes, I, I, it's definitely undeniable. You know, Robbie Lawler, he's, he's not the same Robbie Lawler of the past. He, and, you know, he's already been knocked out in under a minute versus Woodley, so they're not going to redo that. Steven Thompson's already lost twice, so this does set me up as the number one contender. And when I beat Damian Amaya worse than Tyron Woodley, they will know I'm the true number one contender and best welterweight in the world. Now, you mentioned uh, Madison Square Garden the following week. Give us your thoughts on uh, Jorge Masvidal versus Wonderboy Thompson. I know you trained with him leading up to these fights. How is he looking, and how do you think that fight's going to go? Oh, my boy Gamebred's looking amazing, man. He looks sharp. He looks hungry. He's mean right now. He's angry. And he's going to carve Wonder Girl up like a pumpkin. <laughs> like a pumpkin. For perfectly fitting for the time of year, my friend. All right, so listen, either way, you've been making the right move so far. We all look forward to Saturday night. Next stop on the embarrassment tour, Sao Paulo, Brazil. In conclusion, my man, tell everybody why they need to jump on the embarrassment tour train before it leaves town and why everybody needs to make sure they tune in this Saturday. Y'all need to jump on the, the bandwagon now, you know, because after Saturday, then, you know, I'm not going to I'm not gonna appreciate you as true fans. If you jump on now, then, then you got my respect. And this Saturday, it will go down as a nightmare in Sao Paulo. Halloween is close. Damian Maya's retirement is near. Follow me at Colby Cub MMA on Twitter and Instagram. Follow the and, and Colby Covington on Facebook. I am the, the future of the welterweight division, the future of the UFC. All right, man. I have no doubt. Looking forward to the fight very much. Hopefully we can catch up again when I don't sound like shit and uh, you're the number one contender. Any shout-outs you'd like to get in before we let you go, man? Yeah, big shout-out to my team, American Top Team, Dan Lambert, Mike Thomas-Brown, Paulino Hernandez, my dad, my family, my mom, uh, the Covingtons, and uh, thanks to BJ Penn Radio for always uh, getting my voice out there. I appreciate you guys. Hey, we appreciate you too, man. Always a pleasure. Uh, kick some ass on Saturday, and we look forward to you being the number one contender, my man. Thanks a lot, brother. I look forward to talking to you soon. All right, Penn Nation. <clears throat> there you have it. Colby Chaos Covington. Man, I'm just progressively sounding worse here. Um, always a good conversation with him. Very funny guy. Now that we're seeing him emerge into pro wrestling, all this trash talk is really starting to make make a lot of sense to me now. You know, I, I knew he was a brilliant promoter, and he had a good eye for this. He knew what he was doing. But now with the work in pro wrestling as well, uh, it seems like this has been the plan for him all along. Um, be cool to see how far he can go with wrestling, if he's going to be able to do both at once and uh, – be at the top of the game in both simultaneously. So big fight with Damian Maya going down this weekend. If he can back up everything he said going into this fight, it's going to completely change his life. And he rightfully should be hard to say. He wouldn't be the number one contender, especially if he dominates uh, Damian in, in a more impressive fashion than uh, Woodley. I mean, a lot of people gave Woodley shit for that performance. 
But if um, Kobe can go out there and truly dominate Tyron Woodley, you'll see him challenging for the title very, very soon. So big shout-out to him, as always, for coming on. Uh, He took time out of his really busy schedule doing all this media for Fight Week, and uh, we greatly appreciate Kobe. Good man, and very much so looking forward to the fight this weekend. Let's move on. The biggest interview of my career, arguably the biggest name to ever come on to BJPenn.com radio. It is my pleasure to introduce, well, I do a much better introduction in the interview. We'll save it for that. But it is my pleasure to announce that up next, guys, the American Gangster, a guy you've come to love or hate, but regardless of whether you love or hate him, you respect what he's been able to do in a short period of time in the sport of MMA. Tremendous conversation. Can't say enough about it. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. Coming up next on The Fighter's Voice, BJPenn.com radio, none other, none other than Chael Sonnen. Penn Nation, please welcome to the show a man who needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. The styling and profiling, the jabroni beating, high-level competing, never wasting a moment on the mic, and a guy that all the ladies like. A true eagle amongst turkeys. Of course, I'm talking about the American gangster himself, Chael P. Sonnen, ladies and gentlemen. Chael, thanks could, for taking the time to speak with us tonight, not, man. Where are you calling could from? not have said it better myself. I'm in Portland, Oregon. Where else would I be? <laughs> I'm in God's country, my friend. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Listen. As I mentioned, we do greatly appreciate your time, and of course, there's much to discuss. Uh, but before we jump into everything, how are things with the American Gangster, the mini American Gangster at home? I'd imagine he keeps you pretty busy on top of all the work you've got going on. Oh, uh, the little terrorist who lives upstairs in my house. He's doing great. Thank you for asking. He's still in training for the 2036 Olympic Games. It'll be on NBC. You'll probably want to watch. Put that on your calendar. <laughs> well, you've already got it planned out to the date and everything, huh? That's right. Awesome. Awesome. So it's destiny a, at this point, my friend. Yeah, well, he definitely comes from uh, comes from the bloodline that, that could uh, get there, I have no doubt. Um, so as I mentioned, much to discuss, especially when it comes to, you know, everything that you've got going on, ESPN analyst, successful podcast host, running your own promotion, kicking ass in the cage. But let's start with Submission Underground. The reception's been great. You've put on some awesome shows so far with some really big names. Just had your first female main event. Give us your thoughts on the growth of the promotion and where do you see this thing going as you look forward? I'll tell you, you know, first and foremost, it's been fun. And there's not a lot of things you can say you do in life that that are fun. You know, at least for me as an adult, I don't get to have fun very often. So uh, the rules are great. We we follow the EBI rules. One of the beliefs we have is one of the things that has held back grappling is you can't get any two organizations to have the same rules. There's no unified rule set. You know, I can walk into any basketball court in the world, and a basket's worth two points. But in grappling, it's different. It, it, it all depends where you go, and it's very hard to ever have a ranking system or crown somebody champion when you've got multiple jurisdictions and governing bodies and, uh, and rule sets. You know, even break it down to the gym. I belong to a gym. 
you know, my coach has to put two or three guys in this corner because they're doing metamorphosis rules, and two or three guys over here because they're getting ready for Abu Dhabi, and, you know, a handful of guys over here because they got a submission underground or an EBI coming up. And uh, it's just, it's really confusing. I, I really think everybody needs to come together with one rule set. We went EBI, but even if, if there was a discussion and we're all going to follow something else, let's get a governing body to set it up and let's all follow it, like it or not. No more complaining, no more crybabies from the grappling world, you know, that want it this way or want points or want sub only. Let's all agree on something so we can crown somebody the champion. Agreed, agreed. And I think that uh, as you see more and more promotions um, adopting the EBI rule set, uh, hopefully that does get normalized and, and becomes a really great thing for all the grapplers out there. Uh, but, you know, to, to stay with the EBI rule set, um, he just kicked off a, a combat BJJ. Um, he'll be doing his first ever world tournament, uh, Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds. What do you think of the combat BJJ uh, style that he's got going? And could we possibly see a similar competition in your own promotion in the future? Yeah, so, uh, so first part of the question, I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. And, you know, anytime you're doing some kind of a grappling art like jiu-jitsu, you're doing it as, as a prerequisite to going into MMA. Uh, you know, almost 100% of the time that's true. These guys have some kind of aspirations like that. So to, to implement a combat jiu-jitsu, to know where they are dealing with strikes, it does change the techniques. It does change how long you can hold positions. Uh, and it helps to convert better to MMA without actually doing an amateur fight or it is the full blows, uh, just minus the elbows and the knees to the head. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. And as far as what we do it, um, it would all depend on the jurisdiction. Right now we're in Oregon, and the Oregon Commission would have to be involved. They're not against it at this point, but they also haven't given the green light to it. Um, he was able to work with Andy Foster and the folks in California, so he already got the green light for that jurisdiction. So he's a little bit ahead of us right now. True, true. Uh, would you ever consider yourself uh, competing under that rule set? I feel like it would really match your style pretty well. Yeah, I would. I would compete under any rule set. Um, you know, whether it matches the style, you got to learn something new. That that stuff's always fun for me. I I don't get intimidated by that or not want to do something just because it isn't what I'm used to. Uh, I've always just seen it as a good opportunity to go out and and learn something new. So uh, I would happily do it. So in regards to submission underground. Do you have a, a date or a venue set for the next event? Yeah, we got a venue set. We're working on the card now. We've, we've got one match confirmed. Uh, it, it's December 3rd in Portland, Oregon. It'll be shown at flowgrappling.com. Uh, we've got Fabiano Scherner, who just won his fourth world championship in jiu-jitsu, is going to be taking on former UFC champion Tim Sylvia. Holy crap, really? Yeah, pretty cool The big Tim's coming back. I was kind of excited when I told you that. I appreciate that reaction. So... Uh, yeah, they're going to go compete under the EBI rules. Tim's fired up about it. You know, when I got a hold of him, he was uh, right around 340 pounds. He plans to come in about 303, 305 uh, for the match. Fabiano Scherner goes 302 pounds. So, you know, you got two guys with world championships from various fields, uh, over 600 pounds combined. Man, there's something to see there. Any way you slice it, there's something to see. Without question. And, I mean, what a recognizable name, especially for the hardcore fans like Tim Sylvia. Um, has he been keeping active in the sport? I mean, training regularly? I, or is he just kind of jumping into this? I think that he's jumping back into it. That's been my perception. I haven't asked him straight up, but, you know, when he told me he was coming in around 350 uh, at the time we got a hold of him, actually just a little bit north of that, I just made the deduction, and I trust accurately so, that 
he's been focused more on, you know, he's got a hunting show now. I think he's even a cop. I've seen, yeah. I've seen like some social media where, yeah, what, what better guy to be a police officer, right? If you're in trouble, who do you want coming? Well, you want Tim Sylvia. <laughs> so he can leave the gun at home. You still want Tim Sylvia when, when you need some help. So, uh, pretty cool thing, but man, talk about a guy that was all in. Uh, he was excited. He was excited to get the call. He didn't care that the opponent just won a fourth world championship and that he's never done it before. He didn't care in the least. That that part had nothing to do with anything. Um, you know, we were looking at Rico Rodriguez and Josh Barnett uh, versus him. He, he didn't flinch. He, he wants to compete. He's fired up. Uh, and, and the fact that he said he, he'd be coming in about 50 pounds less than what he was weighing told me, man, this is a guy that's getting in the gym. He's going back to his roots and he's, he's taking it serious. So for, for me as a promoter, but uh, you know, I'm a fan first, uh, that means something that means something to me. Absolutely. And like I said, I mean, just my initial reaction, just to hear that he's coming back. Very, very cool stuff. And, uh, Schoener, he is your jujitsu coach, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, I trained with him. He's the head coach of Gracie Baja Portland and, uh, you know, he's a jiu-jitsu guy at heart, but he's also an MMA guy. He fought a few times in the UFC, countless times, um, you know, around the world. So, you know, he's expanded a number of years ago and started an MMA gym. And we've got Ed Herman and Ronnie Marks and Paige Van Zandt. That's just to name drop a few uh, a few names that you'd recognize. we got three other guys that just signed with Bellator and got some real up-and-comers. Man, we got the best fighter I've ever seen, a guy named Ricky Simone. He's still a free agent, but he won't be for long. Keep, keep track of that, Ricky Simone. You heard it here first. Well, I'll tell you what. You mentioned Paige Van Zant there. I know that was really big news when she decided to move camps over uh, with you guys. How is she in the gym? Is she very coachable? And what do you think of her potential as an athlete? Yeah, so, you know, as far as a teammate goes, and you want you want a teammate, not just someone that's using your gym to train. And, and you got to deal with both, but she's a teammate from day one. She's got one of those personalities that's contagious. She comes in, she's bubbly, she's smiling, she's saying hi to people. Uh, she does anything that's asked of her by the coaches, and she showers up and goes home. So uh, I never see her miss a practice. I've never seen her be late for a practice. I've never seen her leave a practice early. Uh, you know, she just kind of does everything right. And, and people see her and where she's at, and, and they start to copy her, and it just helps the whole gym. Well, very good. Certainly looking forward to her coming back, getting back in the win column, and all that the future has in store for, in store for her. Great potential and certainly a very marketable athlete, to say the least. But speaking of fighting, you're coming off the win over Vanderlei. There's been all kinds of talk about your next opponent. I know you've addressed uh, Chuck Liddell directly on your own podcast. And uh, some people are saying that Fedor would maybe be a great fight to make. What makes the most sense to you at this point? And given the choice, who would you choose for your next opponent? You know, I thought there were some legs to Chuck. If you would have asked me a couple months ago, I'd have told you that was going to happen. I had good evidence to believe it. You you know as well as anybody, in this sport where there's smoke, there's fire every single time. There's never a rumor that isn't true because our community is so small. Everybody tattles, everybody calls a friend, calls a friend, you know. There, there, there's a few ways to get a message out. You can telephone, telegraph, or tell a fighter. Because either way, the, the information's going to get out there. And, um, you know, Chuck said he wanted to fight again. He lost that job at the UFC, which is very public. He needed some money. And then he went back to the gym. He went to Thailand and kicked off a training camp. He goes to Jake Laser's gym, uh, Unbreakable, every day. I go to that gym every time I'm in L.A. So, uh, you know, I know all those guys. And, and Chuck's in there every single day. So I'm going, okay, he's getting ready to fight. If he's going to Bellator, I'm the guy. Well, no, I had it wrong. There, he, he's he's not looking to fight. They've sat down with him a couple times. He's, he's not looking to fight, I guess. He's not signing the contract, but he does go to the gym every day. So I, I, these are the two clues that I have. And a guy that's going to the gym every day, 
is saying he wants to fight. He usually fights, but uh, apparently he's not. I don't know what the end game is there or if he's, uh, you know, just kind of enjoying getting in shape and the notoriety that comes along with it. I don't know. I, would, I could only guess, but yeah. that match isn't going to happen. So as far as what's next for me, man, I'm waiting to hear, and uh, I'm expecting to fight uh, uh, early next year, uh, you know, a few, a few times next year in total. Um, I'm training. I'm in practice every day. I'm waiting for my phone to ring. Well, as you mentioned, I mean, you, those, those photos and everything like of, of Chuck training, the kind of shape he was in, you were right. He did have all of us believing that he was going to come back. But I, I guess based on what you're saying, it sounds like maybe he's playing hardball with Bellator, maybe trying to, uh, to negotiate some more money, whatever the case is. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, a fight with Fedor could be a really good matchup for the fans. And, uh, you know, it stays along with your Legends ass-whooping tour. Is that something that would appeal to you? And do you think that would be a possibility? Yeah, I think it's hard to imagine that that doesn't happen. Uh, you know, we're only about 20 pounds apart. I, I, I get up to about, you know, 216 pounds. Maybe that's a little heavy, but right in there, 216. He's weighed in pretty consistently at 236 for the last number of years. So you're only talking about 20 pounds. And I had some people saying, well, don't do that fight. He's too big. It's like, man, you're only talking about 20 pounds. You know, when I started this thing, we didn't have weigh-ins. Uh, I've never really cared what a guy weighs, but I will acknowledge that there's you know, an advantage at a certain point to a certain size, but 20 pounds, man, that's not very much. Yeah. Now, as far as, uh, the, you know, the, the notoriety that he has and, uh, the legend that he carries along with him from his historic career, I mean, is that, is that a fight that would, you'd get excited for and, and, uh, you know, be really motivated to, to go out there and get a win over a name like that? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I get excited for all of them. It, it, it never makes a bit of difference where it is on the card or it, it, it's selling out and it's the marquee or it's it's an undercard fight or, you know, a co-main event, whatever it could be, it, it doesn't make a bit of difference to me. And I, I like to compete. I like to go out there. Uh, I just had an Abu Dhabi match against a guy that was about 170 pounds, um, which some people saw as, you know, why would you take him on? You have so much so much to lose. Man, I, don't, I don't have anything to do with that. If, if, uh, if a guy wants to compete, I do too. Raise your hand. I'll raise mine. Let's go do it. Yeah, I will say, man, the one thing that has stuck out for your entire career is that I know you've said it time and time again, you'll take on anybody. The opponent doesn't matter. The name doesn't matter. You are truly a competitor at heart, and that is shown through and through throughout your career. Um, but to stay with Bellator, what's next year just for a moment? Rory McDonald has, has talked about moving up in weight classes, capturing the 170 title. He'd like to move up to 185. He's even talked about moving up higher than that, said he wanted to fight with Fedor. If he was serious about moving up two weight divisions, is that a fight that would possibly interest you, or is he just being unrealistic at this point? No, I think that's real, and I, I, I am quite sure I will have to whip Roy's ass uh, sooner or later here. In fact, when I got into Bellator, that was the very first question I asked Scott Coker. When he even, before he even knew that I was looking to come over, that, that I had the ability to sign with him, I just sent him a text and said, me versus Roy, does that interest you? And he said, it sure does. Why are you asking? So, yeah, Rory was one of the first guys on my radar. Uh, I think he's fantastic. He's going to fight for a championship. Uh, in, a, in a fight that's a lot harder than people know it is. You know, Lima's a straight-up killer. He's been a highlight reel for Bellator for a couple of years now. And he's also huge. You know, he walks around about 212 to 215. Uh, he's in the five-round club. Not a lot of guys are. Rory is, he is. But, I mean, he can push the pace so he can take that condition and tangible out of it. I think that's going to be a really good contest. But, Either way, uh, yeah, I think that Rory and I are very likely uh, to be matched up. And that's one thing I like about Bellator. You know, I like parity. I like guys shifting around. You're starting to see the UFC do that, too. 
you know, just before you and I got on the phone today, I was reading some stuff about a, a St. Pierre versus McGregor matchup. And I love that. You know, I, I have a little bit of resentment of, of some fights that we missed because uh, where the sport was at, the promotion specifically, they, they weren't willing to change guys' weight classes. It comes to mind, you know, Matt Hughes versus Anderson Silva. Yeah. Also, Anderson Silva versus John Jones. Those were matches that the athletes were willing to do, the fighters wanted to see, the media wanted to see. Uh, but the promotion was pretty locked in on the policy of everybody, uh, you know, stays in their own division. I'm happy to see where the sport's going and, and that we can, you know, we can see some different parity. And, and you know, Scott Coker specifically, if it's a big match and people want to see it, he'll sign it. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, man. I mean, just uh, just having a promoter willing to make those fights that the fans want to see, that's only good for the sport and even better for you guys as athletes as far as uh, recognition, paydays, all of those things considered. Um, but – let, let, let's move on here for a moment. I, you know, we talked about um, how athletes are doing when they when they come to Bellator. You mentioned uh, Rory has his hands full in his next fight. Gegar Mousasi just joined the Bellator roster, had the fight with Alexander Shlomenko. Uh, what did you think of that fight, and did you think the judges got it right? Uh, yeah, I did. Did you? I would love to hear your opinion. Let me give you mine first, and then you tell me, because, uh, again, I also just read uh, that Shlomenko was going to protest this, that he thought he won the second round. When I watched that, I thought it was pretty straightforward, two rounds to one. I didn't have any doubt how the judges were going to go. I heard Jimmy Smith say on the broadcast uh, during the third round, and Shlomenko was clearly winning that, he said, boy, we might have an upset here. And I was thinking, well, how do you get to that math? Are you giving this a 10-8 round? That's still a draw. It's two rounds to Masasi, one, two. Shlomenko, that was my opinion, but I, 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 I'm, I'm wide open to, to people telling me I'm wrong, but that's just what I saw. Uh, I thought that I was a great match going in. You know, Shlomenko's this, this wonderful kickboxer, but he's often taken down and has a hard time stopping that, so you don't really get to see the kickboxing skills. Masasi's a kickboxer that lacks that big uh, takedown. And I thought, man, this you got two guys, they're going to stand up and go at it. And if the rumors of how good Shlomenko is in that uh, realm are true, this could get really interesting really fast. And, you know, Masasi, who trades with anybody, he was the one that flinched first and you know, went for that double leg and was able to get it to the ground. I just thought it was a great contest, and I, I heard so much uh, negative said about Masalsi about it, and I came up with a different opinion. I thought Masalsi looked great. I, I always thought he looked great. I just thought Slomenko also looked great, and I don't see how we, we tie that into a knock to Gegard. I, I thought it was a great contest. I had fun watching it. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it was tough to call. I When it comes to the judging was it, thing. Was, you tell me this. Was it tough to call? Like, when, when, when it before they read the decision, were you at home going, ah, I don't know, I don't know? Were um, you in that field where you, you thought maybe that uh, Shlomenko maybe beat him? I mean, if you go, I mean, I kind of think of, like, uh, personally, damage means a lot to me. I mean, I know that's not how the judging criteria is, but, I mean, you looked at Musasi's eye. I don't know, man. I mean, I, I would agree with you. you. You lean towards Musasi, but at the same time, Shlomenko put on a hell of a show, and it wasn't a dominant performance on behalf of Musasi. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a little bit up in the air, personally. Oh, really? Okay. Well, and, and see, and I appreciate you telling me that. Cause I, I watched it just me and my buddy, Dan. If I would have had four or five people over, maybe I could have got a better focus group. But, yeah, I didn't – I thought it was pretty clear. Two rounds to one, I loved I loved what I saw, but it went to Musasi. And then I read that today. I read they were protesting. They thought they won the second round, and they've got some stats they'd like to bring forward. I don't think there's a mechanism in place to actually appeal – uh, a judge's decision. I don't. I don't think you can do that. I've never heard of such a thing. But uh, either way, they thought they had a case there. So I guess we've got a talking point. Yeah, and I mean, even if you could, the likelihood of it being overturned, I think that's very, very slim to none. Yeah, 
I would I would agree with that because it's a it's a it's a judge's decision. What, how do you how do you re, you know it's their decision. Yeah, and those decisions for, you know from day one have 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 a built-in controversy. It's never fair when people are judging people, but there's also another way to do it. We, we're not judged by a computer or by the applause of a crowd. We're judged by the, the three guys that are sitting there that night, and that's how they saw it. So that's what we live with. True, true, and not to mention, you know, I could very rarely see a commission uh, making a move that that uh, looks badly on their own integrity. So, um, but. Apparently the viewership for that card wasn't great, and on top of uh, on top of all that, with Gegard, you know, he didn't exactly have his best performance as we were talking about. That lends itself to to what we all keep seeing with more and more guys coming over to Bellator that these athletes are just as elite as they are in the UFC. I'm sure you feel the same way about that. Yeah, and you know that goes both ways. Like, take for example, we, we sent Hector over from Bellator. He went from Bellator to the UFC. He's on a 22 fight win streak. He loses his very first fighter, Eddie Alvarez. One of the baddest dudes in the world went on to get crowned the world champion. He lost his very first fight, too. It is just different. Uh, or a more recent example would be Roy Nelson coming from uh, the UFC over to Bellator. And he got his hand raised. But I think we could all agree that wasn't the, the best performance that we've seen. It's different when you come over. You know, you come and go or you go and come. It's, it's the same thing. Ryan Bader might be an exception to that rule. Those guys are always out there. Even Dominic Cruz sat out for three and a half years and was only only in the ring for 22 seconds with the number nine guy in the world when everybody thought that was going to be about ring rust. So there's always your exceptions to the rule, but for a large part, for a broad stroke, yeah, you know, when you switch organizations, you walk in the cage for the first time, the backstage is different, things are different, you, you, you kind of have a little bit of a of a down performance. And uh, I really love that Masalsi fight. I thought he fought his ass off. I thought he found himself in a, a little deeper territory and a little harder fight than maybe he expected he was going to have, and, and he dealt with it. He changed course. He got the double. He got him down to the ground. I came away with a different opinion. I was impressed. I was just also impressed with, with Shlomenko. That was that was my opinion. For sure, for sure. Um, so, you know, when we talk about guys jumping ship, going back and forth, I've been calling it the mass exodus, as we've seen all these athletes uh, moving over to Bellator, trying out other promotions. You know, they've talked about fighter pay, sponsorships, USADA, disputes with Dana White all being reasons that given by fighters for leaving the UFC. However, some people have been speculating that it's the direction of the company uh, that they're going with under the new management, under the new ownership. How do you see this from your perspective? Yeah, it, so here's the thing. I was sitting on a suspension or, and retired about three months before Reebok came in. So I actually don't know a damn thing about it, but I can tell you from the seat I was sitting in, just as an outsider looking at it, I go, well, this is pretty cool. You know, it cleans up the sport. It looks good. you got a, a major publicly traded national company coming in to sponsor the entire sport. In any other sport, uh, and I think of myself as a generous enough guy. I don't really get uh, accused of not being fair with money. Uh, but if I was in Dana's shoes, I'm not sure I would have given that to the fighters. I think I would have gone, look, I'm the executive producer. I'm putting on a TV show here, and all the sponsorship comes to me. So it comes back to the expression, no good deed goes unpunished. He goes out and gives money to the guys and then they want to you know complain about how or uh, you know the, the distribution of it and i'm just looking around going man there is no executive producer in the history of television that shares that money with his paid talent this is the first and only guy uh and it came back to bite him in the ass and it, it, that was that was a little bit weird for me um but i don't have to disclose i wasn't in the locker room at that time so it was a little bit different and bellator guys are 
are very happy they can go out and get it. But if, if I had my druthers and I didn't have to go out and get it and deal with those phone calls and deal with the patches and the emails and everything that goes along with it, I just got, boom, here, here's your clothes and here's your set pay. I take a little bit less for, for less of a headache. But, uh, oh, uh, you know, to, to each his own. Yeah, to, to each his own. I don't fault anybody for, for speaking out and not being happy. Nobody has to see it my way, but... My way would be, man, I'll, I'll I'll take the clothes, not have to deal with it, and I'll uh, take the check at the end of the night. But I'm not sure if I was Coker or Dane, I'd be sharing that money. And again, I don't think of myself as stingy, but if I am an executive producer, the history of television and the business model is would long outdate me. The model is you bring people in eyeballs, and then you go out and you try to collect the money. I, I, I mean, I'll give you another example. I work for ESPN. If I ever went on ESPN on their channel, and I had a watch sponsor, and I was trying to show the watch off, or I had a suit sponsor, and I'm wearing the suit, that would be very underhanded. You know, they would fire me, and they'd be right to do so. But they're the ones setting up the cameras. They're paying me to be there. If there's any outside revenue, they're the ones that get to have it. In exchange, I, I get my set fee for coming, but that's just how the television model works. Dana White is literally the first executive producer in history to give sponsorship money to his hired talent. It's just That's just not the way it works. Yeah. It, and he gets called a bad guy for doing it, man. <laughs> That, that dude is the nicest son of a bitch, and, you know, people never talk about it. It's just it's just always these bad things. And, and yeah, sometimes yeah. I just roll my eyes and go, my goodness, the, the true Dana White story is just never, never going to be told. And that guy will go out and defend any one of his athletes tooth and nail, but he'll never defend himself. It's really bizarre, and nobody else defends him either. So he's just, he's just left looking like a jerk, but it, it's just not the truth. Wow, man, that's that's really a refreshing perspective. I mean, you hear time and time again these athletes complaining about Dana. Musasi himself, you know, said that negotiations with Dana and his relationship wasn't there. Um, and obviously he had the prior relationship with Coker. Um, but, you know, speaking of Coker, what's your relationship been like with him? You know, he gets all this praise from all of these athletes, everybody I speak to anyway, but what's Chael Sonnen's opinion on Scott and uh, how he's building up the brand? What in the hell is the deal with that? You will never meet a guy that doesn't like Scott Coker. It is the strangest thing. It could be employees. It could be fighters. It could be media partners. Everyone likes him. Uh, you know, he's he's a really calm guy, really calm demeanor. It's hard to excite him about anything. If the house is on fire, he's the kind of guy that says, okay, well, then we better get a bucket of water. Uh, you know, he moves forward. He's very diligent. He's very organized. He works a lot of hours. He works every day of the year. Uh, people respect him. And his business model is slightly different. You know, free TV uh, and a ratings model versus a pay-per-view model does, does create something very different. Uh, he's very good at putting his cards on the table. He's very transparent, saying, here's here's what we're doing, and, and here's what you're participating in. And there's something about that. There's something about that openness and transparency that just keeps everybody very calm and very happy. Uh and that's the differences, really. You know, people ask me the difference between Coker and Dana White or the difference between Bellator and UFC all the time. It's a really hard question for me to answer because there's far more similarities than there are differences. Uh, but in the demeanor of, of Scott Coker, he's just very calm, and there's something very soothing about that, and everybody's happy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he has a knack for building talent, as he's shown with Strike Force. And uh, when you think about that, when you look at the Bellator roster, who do you think has the potential to be a really big star in Bellator? 
oh, you know, there's a few guys. There's this new kid, Sanchez. Oh, my goodness. He, he just he just whipped Strauss, and Strauss is so freaking good. Yeah. Uh, nobody nobody whipped Strauss. There's guys that might get over on him. Nobody kicked Strauss's ass. This guy ran him right over. It was it was a pacing issue in front of everything else. You know, his punches and his kicks and grappling are all fine, but he can hold a pace. Uh, the guys just can't keep up with. And... Um, I really think he's probably going to be next. I think that Darren Caldwell's got some good room. I think that Joe Rope, uh, Joe Warren, rather, uh, you know, he's a real staple of the organization. I think he does a great job. And let's let you know, let's see what Bader can do. I'm not I'm not ready to write Bader off. I, I realize he's not the most charismatic guy, but at some point, win streaks do matter. And uh, you know, I think he's got a lot on his side. I also think that Vitrion's a lot of fun. You know, Roy Nelson coming over there now. You talking about Frank Mir. You were talking about Fedor earlier. What if I told you Frank Mir versus Fedor? I mean, that, oh, I that's a pretty it. compelling matchup. You know, they, they've got a few really compelling uh, matchups that can happen. So let, let's just see what happens. Yeah, for sure. Once I heard the addition of Frank Mir, I've been a Frank Mir fan as long as I've loved MMA. And uh, man, just to see him get back in there, the potential to fight Fedor be very 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 cool stuff um but speaking of star power and talent you know you've kind of set the blueprint for self-promotion in this game and uh really set precedent for fighters to make every opportunity to promote themselves count however with the success of conor mcgregor it seems like everybody is uh you know taking the trash talk angle and it seems forced with some of these guys what advice would you give some of these athletes about hyping up fights and talking trash but making it feel more organic for the viewers well, yeah, so there's a recipe. I like the talk part. I don't like the trash talk part. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think that you have to be mean. I, I don't feel like Connor is out there selling trash talk. I think that that's misunderstood. I think what Connor's selling is confident. Um, you know, I, I sold, uh, it was called trash talk, but it was, it was really a lack of respect is what I was uh, pushing in front of everything else. There was these guys that were, were off limits, um, you know, and really coveted, and I saw it differently. I didn't covet them, and I didn't think they had any right to anything that that I didn't have. And so, you know, it came from a different angle. But I will see some guys that that, that, that look at a very simple approach to this and go, oh, "Well, Connor's out there talking trash, or Chael was talking trash. I'm going to go out and talk trash and insult this guy." Well, you don't have to do any of that. Another great example uh, would be Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee talks a lot, and he, he's very confident, he's fun to listen to, and he's well-spoken, he's articulate, but he's not putting the other guy down as much as he's just funny. You know, you've got the stone-cold approach, which is more of a meaner, brasher in your face, and then you've got what The Rock did. The, the Rock was just funny. Yeah. So I like the talk part of it. I just don't think that you have to talk trash, and if you don't mean it, don't say it. If it's not organic, stay away from it. Don't manufacture conflict. Don't try to build something that... That isn't there. If you don't have any problem with your opponent whatsoever, there's still plenty of things to say. You just don't have to make believe. You know, the fans are going to see right through that. There's no fighter that's smarter than the fans. I see Floyd Mayweather make that mistake all the time thinking he can control the narrative. And Floyd's, Floyd's as dumb as the day is long. <laughs> and it doesn't work. You know, and as soon as we see through it, it's like, hey, this is a bunch of crap. And as big as the Connor fight was, it was nowhere near as big as they said it was. It did not set any record whatsoever. Um, that's the real numbers on that. But it could have been something very special, except Floyd who's an idiot, thought he could control the narrative, and he screwed it up. Yeah. Yeah, I, the potential there was uh, – I really thought they were going to break the record. I'm surprised that they didn't, um, you know, with all of the crossover fans. But, uh, you know, you make a great point there. I think a lot of people but, don't but, – but, let, let me jump in on that because I'll tell you something on that too. As far as the record, there is no 
record. The, the believed, conceived, made-up record is 4.4 million pay-per-view buys for Pacquiao versus Mayweather. The problem with that is nobody from DirecTV, nobody from Dish, nobody from Time Warner, no one from Cox Cable has ever supported that made-up number. It is an absolute fictional number that got put out on a press release and everybody ate it up and holds it as though it was reality. They did good, solid business. They did not do 2 million buys, which is still a damn good night, but it's a far cry from 4.4. And, you know, the media, you, me, and everybody else, we at some point we need to go, look, these numbers aren't real, because numbers matter. You know, if you go out and you want a pay-per-view number, that's as important. Being the pay-per-view kings is as important as being the champion of the world. These are all championships. They're all wins. And these numbers are made up. That got put out on a press release, and everybody went with it. But those are publicly traded companies. You can go check the numbers. It's not even close to 4.4 million. So, I mean, I know that this comes this comes down to uh, promotions and promoters wanting to make themselves look good, only releasing good numbers, not releasing bad numbers, things of that nature. But uh, so you're saying that, like, where where can you even find these numbers in that case? Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, you have to go out and do your research, but these are hosted by publicly traded companies, and these numbers are coming out in press releases, but they're not backed by the president of any distribution company. I mean, even in demand that represents uh, 60% 60 of all pay-per-view buys that are out there, they won't back these numbers. You've just got a promoter that puts it out with no reporter that's willing to go out and, and do the legwork and find out the real numbers, and, and they gobble it up and swallow it down. It's like, guys, this it's just not true. You know, <laughs> business is good. They did great business. McGregor and Mayweather did great business. The other side of the reality is I was there live, and they blacked out a lot of that arena. They did not even sell out an arena. That's just the truth. I can't get around that. They did great business. It was a very fun fight and a very fun night that did not sell out an arena in the fight capital of the world. That's just what happened. Yeah, and not to mention tickets were exorbitantly expensive. But. Yeah, that's true, too. You know, and some of it was that they priced themselves out. But either way, it, it was a huge fight. It didn't sell out. It didn't set any record. And anybody that tells you differently is lying. Hey, listen, I know we've gone over a bit here. How are you on time? I got all the time in the world, my man. I set my own schedule. All right, cool. JLP I... answers to nobody. <laughs> all right, I've just got, a, like, four or five more things for you here. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't... Uh, chewing anything up on you um but you you mentioned the promotion uh when we were talking about you know fighters uh hyping up fights the trash talk angle things of that nature but you mentioned pro wrestling and i think that that's something that a lot of guys do not focus in on and look at as a blueprint to make yourself some money in this game have you ever considered mentoring up-and-coming talent on how to be successful at cutting a promo Yes and no. I mean, I get I get asked many times from guys, and I'm I'm more than willing to help. But it, it still does come back to if, if you don't mean it, don't say it. Don't don't try to fool anybody. Uh, you're just not smart enough to. If you're ever in a jam with what should I say or how should I handle something, always go back to the truth. Yeah, which a pro wrestling term for that is shoot. Just shoot and tell the truth. And yeah. sometimes. You know, sometimes you got an easy fight. Again, Mayweather was trying to build McGregor up into something special, and you're going, Floyd, you're supposedly the greatest uh, boxer of all time. You're taking on a guy who's never done it. Go ahead and call it that. Go ahead and say, this is ridiculous, and it's a cash grab, and you're all willing to pay for it, and this is going to be a light night for me because this guy's never done it. That would draw more attention and come across as more authentic 
than what he tried to do, which was to say, well, you know, I don't know. It's different punches, and he's a great athlete. I'm, I'm nowhere near as good as I used to be. And all of a sudden, I'm going, well, yeah, well, your pay-per-view prices are higher than they ever were. So we, we've got a little bit of a conflict here, dum-dum. <laughs> all right, listen, let's change gears here for a minute. You know, since we're on the topic of Connor, one of the hot topics in the sport right now is what is next for him. For integrity's sake, most agree that, that it needs to be the fight with Tony. But on the financial end of the spectrum, Nate Diaz makes more sense. Where do you stand on that? Maybe, maybe. I, I love the Nate Diaz fight, and history says that you always go to a trilogy. History does say that. The problem that they're running into right now with that bitch McGregor capturing the championship is you also need to move a division forward, and that's very important that you pay respect to the integrity of that as well. Tony's earned the right. He probably shouldn't have had to have, but with the Mayweather fight, what are you going to do? So you throw in an interim title. Usually the interim championships are reserved for uh, a guy that's hurt. Uh, in this case, you had an able-bodied and, and willing champion. He was just, you know, got distracted with this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Um, I don't know that, that, that Tony versus uh, McGregor doesn't sell. You know, I, I think that uh, Tony McGregor, maybe it doesn't sell as well as Diaz. Maybe it does, but let, let's just say that it doesn't. Man, you're not separated by much there. They're both going to do over a million. You know, MMA does have a a ceiling on it. Nobody's going to do over 1.3 or 1.4. It's just those numbers just aren't there yet. Uh, and McGregor is going to draw a million, million one. You slip Tony in there, champion versus champion. I think there's something to see there. But I, I do love the trilogy fight. I do love that Connor respects history. I, I watched uh, Connor talk about that and say, hey, we, we're one apiece. We've got to do part three. But I also owe it to the division to take on the rightful guy, and that's Tony. And I think that Connor deserves a, a lot of credit for that. I think, he did, I think he's done a lot of things his own way, but he still does pay respect. Uh, to the history and lineage of our sport. And the sport says uh, when you got one apiece, you go to the third match. So, I mean, realistically, what do you think? Maybe he fights Tony next, then they do the Diaz trilogy? I, I think that's right. I think that's right. You know, to put Diaz in there, I, I'm not even positive that Diaz is next. I just think that uh, – I do think that it's going to be Tony. I don't think you can have an interim. Yeah, that's the one thing about the interim belt is is we don't really have any parameters on that. I used to like it a little bit better when I understood it a little bit more. But one of the parameters that we, we still haven't quite broke this covenant yet is if you have an able and willing, healthy champion and you have an able, willing, and healthy interim champion, they got to fight. Absolutely. That's that's one one piece that we, we still haven't broken yet, and I hope that we don't. So, uh, yeah, I'm quite sure that's the match that's going to happen. Okay. Now, changing gears here again for a moment. I wanted to get your take on GSP versus Bisping. You know, having trained with GSP, having fought Bisping not only in MMA but in grappling as well, who are you picking for that fight? I love that fight. I, I am picking George in that fight, but I, I really like it. I've competed with Bisping twice myself, once in MMA and once in grappling. Tough son of a bitch. I've only trained with George. Uh, so maybe I come to you with a little bit different perspective. But here's a lot that's being made of that fight is, uh, is Bisping's size. And anytime you talk about size, what you're really talking about is the guy is stronger, right? We don't really care who weighs more. We care about who's stronger than who. This is a weird one because Bisping is meaningfully bigger. He will cut to make 185. He will get in the ring about 200 pounds. George St. Pierre will weigh in about 183 pounds. He will get in the ring at 183 pounds. However, this might surprise you. However, George is meaningfully, meaningfully stronger than Bisping. George is one of the strongest guys. I've ever grabbed a hold of. He's got, I mean, almost unexplainable strength 
um, and particularly for his size. So that, that whole who's bigger thing kind of goes out the window when you have the longer narrative that the smaller guy, surprisingly, is going to be stronger. Wow, that's very interesting to hear that. that that's so, very Europe... interesting. That is it, and I appreciate you saying that because so many times when we all understand size, you know, they get on the scale, okay, well, this guy's bigger, but, well, let's break down what that means. What we're saying is this guy can control the other guy because he's bigger, he's stronger. This is a case where the bigger guy is weaker, and this thing's not a weak man. This thing's a stud. But, uh, you know, George likes the matchup. George wasn't planning to come back, and he sure wasn't planning to come back at middleweight insert Michael Bisping as the champion, all of a sudden George goes, wait a minute, I'm, I'm the best wrestler in the history of MMA, taking on a guy from a country that doesn't even have a wrestling program. I like this matchup. I don't think that he likes himself versus Romero or himself versus Jacques Array. I think he likes this specific matchup. Now, guys have liked matchups before and been wrong, and they, they, they get carried out of the ring and they're embarrassed and face down. It happens all the time. could happen to George. But if you're asking me with my experience and both of them and both of them, I like George. Wow. Very interesting to hear that he is stronger. Uh, man, ma- makes me think of a whole different fight of how this could play out. But, you know, Joe Rogan has said this past week that he's hearing the fight isn't selling well. Are you surprised by that, you know, given the star power of GSP? Or has he been away for so long that the new age casual fans just aren't on board? Yeah, and it was just a weird enough fight. You know, I like a little bit of weirdness, but it was just weird enough. I'll just use myself to answer this one. I first heard that fight, I kind of went, hmm, really? Like, there's so many guys I'd be pretty excited to see this pink fight. So many guys I'd really like to see George in there with. But there was something about that parody that it didn't grab me right at first. Now, after the first press conference, after the second, after the third, yeah, man, I'm on board. They're getting my money. But, uh yeah, there is something with that match that's just weird enough that didn't uh, that didn't grab some people. Now, I think that it will be sold out in Madison Square Garden. I think it's got a hell of a supporting cast with Joanna Champion and finally the grudge match between uh, you know TJ and Garbrandt. I think it's going to be a very special night. I think pay-per-view numbers are going to reflect that. But I get it. You know, it was it was a little bit slower slower build for me too. I, it didn't happen right away. And most of the really big fights, the second I hear about them, I go, "Oh my god, when is that? I can't wait." And this one was a little slower. Now, do you think that was a move by the UFC to purposely have, all, as you said, that supporting cast for the card? Do you think that was a move by the UFC, knowing that maybe this was a tough sell? Yeah, maybe a little bit. And then what are you dealing with with George? You know, the guy's been a little crazy and a little sporadic. He's committed to some other fights and dipped his toe in the water and kind of danced around this. And at some point we're thinking, okay, you're working us all and trying to keep your name out there to, to hang on to some of your sponsorships. You know, I, I'm just not sure they knew what was going to happen. So whenever you have that kind of turmoil and you're booking something as expensive and big as MSG, you know, you you got to have plans B and C in place. So I, I think – you know, the politics behind it was, was a little combination of everything that I just mentioned. Uh, you know, but here we are, you know, what are we, 10 days away? I mean, the fight's going to happen. It's going to go down. Uh, you know, I'm headed to New York tonight to start covering it for ESPN. So, yeah, it's a big deal. It's it's a really big deal. And as far as selling goes, I don't know what those ticket prices are. You know, you and I were just, just referencing Connor versus Mayweather, and it didn't sell out. But the cheapest ticket, the nosebleed, the absolute easiest you could get in that, the arena was 1500 bucks. Um, 
so you know it's a little bit tougher. I don't know that they're doing that or what the what the prices are for MSG, but that could affect things too. You know, sometimes you won't sell out, but you do a killer pay per view. Georgia is going to do great business. He brings an entire country with him, and Bisping's the same way. Yeah. You know, Bisping is such a high paid fighter, and so many people have resisted it. But Lorenzo Fertitta himself spoke on it and said, "Yeah, I get more more resistance on Bisping's pay than anybody." But you have to understand, he brings an entire nation with him. So. Uh, yeah, when they finally lock up, as far as viewership goes, it's going to be huge. Are they going to have a sold-out arena? I think so. Yeah, you make a great point there. I mean, uh, maybe not terrestrial TV, but international TV certainly have a big, big, big percentage of viewership there. Um, but getting back to what's next for you, man, you, you mentioned early 2018. Is there a timeline that we could maybe hear an opponent announced? And uh, is there a date or a venue specifically that you'll be targeting at this point? No, I don't. I don't have anything like that, and uh, I hate not having an answer when I can ask these questions. Um, it's just the reality that there was a few moving parts. A lot of it was on my end. I, I did get uh, called by Bellator, no opponent, but just kind of checking some dates. I got a little princess coming into this world uh, on or about December fourth. So, as my wife likes to say, it I'm in baby camp right now, as opposed <laughs> to fight camp, and. Uh, you know, so things got put on hold. I'm going to cover this MSG card, and then I'm just uh, going to be at home awaiting the r- arrival. And that's that's really it for me. So, uh, you know, again, I'm I'm expecting a few fights in 2018. 2018 sounds a long ways away when you say next year, but the reality is that's a couple months away. I'm practice every single day. I'm waiting for the phone to ring, and uh, I should know any day now. Man, congratulations! Could it have happened to a better guy? Very much. Yeah, I'm so, I'm sorry. Lost you there for a moment. Oh, I was just saying thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all things considered, very good to hear and uh, awesome to have another addition to the Sun and Clan. Uh, so should it be Liddell, possibly Fedor, who knows who the opponent's going to be? I know everybody's going to l- be looking forward to your next outing. I greatly, greatly appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today, Chael. In conclusion, what can all the Chael Sun and fans expect in your next fight? And will we see you compete for a title in 2018? Uh, in 2018, I think so. I think that a title's right around the corner, um, you know, especially with Liddell out. Uh, I, w- I would think that that's the next move is is, is probably going uh, and get on the title hunt. Let's see, what's what's the landscape? Bader's got a fight coming up. He's the city champion. He's got a fight coming up uh, in November. So, yeah, by early next year, I would say that he's ready. That's a good guess. All right, Penn Nation, <clears throat> there you have it, Chael Sonnen, amazing interview, big, big thank you to uh, Chris Taylor for setting that up, and again, guys, my apologies for not having a voice tonight, it's been a great show, BJPenn.com radio, we are the fighter's voice, and the voice of you guys, the fans, tune in each and every Wednesday. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. We'll have another great show next week. We greatly appreciate all the support. Big mahalo to all of our guests and to you guys as well. On behalf of the whole team, I'm Kinch signing off. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome.
kahi manu no ai kai ki ai makalae o te ka o ia kai palana mali uririe ahana Let me tell you about Pete, who loved hockey and always wanted to play in the NHL. Pete played since he was three and begged his mom to let him stay on the ice. Why, some nights he even slept in his hockey skates. Pete practiced and practiced until one day, when he was 47, Pete realized he just wasn't that good. So he threw his skates in the trash. But then he heard how Geico, proud partner of the NHL, could save him money on car insurance. So he switched and saved a bunch. So it all worked out. Technology truths brought to you by Geico. Technology truths. Truth: You will certainly send any text about your supervisor to your supervisor. What's with Janet Spangs? Did she lose a bet with a weed whacker? L O L and sent. Wait, no, 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 no. Truth: It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at Geico.com. Janet, I think my phone was hacked or something. Geico: Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more.